What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, we got something really special lined up. We've got the CEO and founder of Patreon, uh, Jack Conti, coming on the podcast. Really excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Really pumped to be here. Yeah, so this is like, I feel like the convergence of so many worlds because HyperChange, we're covering tech disruptions, startups. Um, and that's exactly what Patreon is. But at the same time, Patreon is like a tool that a bunch of you use to support the channel and has like enabled this to be possible. So, so, so excited and like honored to have you on and, and kind of hear your story. Originally, before you started Patreon and became like a tech CEO, you were a creator yourself and like sort of scratched your own itch by creating Patreon. So I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about like who you were before you became sort of a tech in the tech world. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I've been a professional creator for the last, well, since 2007. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have a band called Pomplamoose and we put out weekly videos. I have another band called Scary Pockets and we put out weekly videos. And, uh, about seven years ago now, I basically got, I went all in on a music video that I end up draining my savings account to produce. It was over 10 grand. I maxed out two credit cards. I built a replica of Millennium Falcon cockpit. I got a 3d printed hexapod robot and an animatronic head that was singing the lyrics to the song. I went all out on this video, like crazy. Um, and you know, I knew I'd put it out and reach about a, a million people, get about a million views. That's what my videos were getting at the time. And I knew I'd log in the next day and, you know, get an ad revenue payment of $150 for that. And I thought like, can I swear? Yes. Yeah, fuck totally. this. That <laughs> fucking sucks. Like I can't stomach the idea of putting out another video that reaches a million people and gets me a $150 paycheck. Um, and that's when I kind of drew out the idea for Patreon on 14 pieces of printer paper. And was just like, what if my fans just paid me a buck a month or five bucks a month, like any other membership organization in the world, you know, New York public radio or WBEZ in Chicago or SF MoMA or whoever it is. Um, that whole idea for a membership, um, just felt like we should just that should be available for any creator. Um, and yeah, that was, that's how it kind of came to be. So were you your own first customer? Yeah, there were three of us that <laughs> launched on Patreon. It was, it was me and my girlfriend and, uh, our roommate. Uh, wow. those are the first three creators on Patreon. And when, what did you have like a reward for Patreon or did you start out with like giving them something back for like certain tiers? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I had, a, um, I remember, so I made my, so funny, God, thinking back, I, I, um, we were so busy getting the site off the ground. I was so busy, busy, like finishing this video that I didn't really set up my price points and, and, uh, benefits for my patrons until like the night before I launched. <laughs> and then like, I was like, Oh fuck, what am I actually going to like do here? And I think I had, I don't remember exactly what my levels were. It was like $1, $5, $10. And I think just for the heck of it, I was like, it'd be crazy. I'll put up a hundred dollar tier just like just because it's probably good to test things. And like it sold out and people, it, it was for like one-on-one uh, Skype sessions. And um, I was surprised the average pledge um, was seven bucks from a patron. I thought it was going to be maybe wow. $1 or something like that, but people wanted to jump in. They want, you know, they liked the videos. They wanted to, to step up and support. Wow. That's incredible. And so maybe to give a little mm -hmm. background on people who don't know exactly what Patreon is, mm -hmm. like, so I guess it started as a platform mainly for like, it sounds like musicians and YouTubers to basically set up this page, get monthly contributions um, and give their fans access to different sort of contents and, and stuff. But I feel like the, the vision for it is like so much bigger than that. And I've seen so many different like types of organizations use Patreon. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about the product you're building is because I'm like all this like like local newspapers or like 
just little websites, like any, almost any business I could think of should have a Patreon page in a way. And I feel like it's expand, it's has the ability to like expand so, so far beyond what it like started as. Thanks. I mean, the, the idea is very simple at its core. It's, um, it's a recurring payment from a fan to a creator in exchange for extra stuff, you know, behind the scenes photos, an extra podcast once a month, um, you know, early access to the thing that comes out, um, an extra thing that comes out, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, the creators who are using that system really well, I mean, we've got folks who are now making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on the platform and they're wow. hiring 50, 60, 70 employees, they're leasing office space, they're scaling media companies and they're doing the whole thing with consumer payments, you know, with recurring membership. Um, which is something that, and this is the thing that kind of still pisses me off a little bit, but like it, you can't do that on ad revenue. Like it's not <laughs> enough, like you need millions of, you need, you know, millions of views or listens or whatever to kind of translate to the sorts of ad dollars that just like two or 3000 patrons, you know, recurring members could bring you. And it, I just feel like the web needs a, 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 a better engine room at its hub to kind of figure out the system around converting attention into dollars, right? Like right now, the, the, you know, the, the ad system basically makes the web free and it uses your attention, your focus, and it converts that into a paycheck for the people who make all the, all the, uh, content on the web. Um, that comes with all kinds of trade-offs and is not a good system. I'm not saying we should get rid of it completely. It's just right now it's the only engine room for the entire web. And that feels totally broken. Like people should be, you know, people want to pay first of all. And when people do pay, um, the creators take home way more money and it's a much better system of financing their creative operations. So yeah, when we're thinking about Patreon and, and the future, you know, what we're thinking about is, gosh, no one's really building for creators right now. Like if you look at what people are, who's the customer who's paying advertisers, advertisers are paying. They're the customer. Like that's who all these tech companies are building for. They're building products for advertisers. That sucks. Yeah. Somebody's got to be building <laughs> products for creators. Um, and I think that's why, you know, what you're saying around Patreon's like, you know, vision and future, we want to build products for creative people to scale their companies and like live their dreams. Um, and I think that's kind of the difference is like, who's the customer? Who are you actually building for? Yeah. And the, the way we actually got started on Patreon is one, like I'd been doing the channel for maybe like a year, a year and a half. And someone actually named Jason was like, Hey, like you need to get on Patreon. I'll give you 20 bucks a month. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, and we weren't really making any money at all at the time. So I was like, wow, this is a huge deal. And so we started from there and like now have like a little newsletter we send out every week. Um, and you can be like a producer to get your name in the credits. That's so awesome. it's been totally transformative. And I'm curious, like out of all the stories you've seen, what's, the, what's like a outside the box, like something you would have never thought like would be on Patreon that sort of like surprised you like a creator story. Um, I, I'll give you one from like 20 minutes ago. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I was hanging out with this creator, um, and they do, um, like role playing games, like live podcasts where they like show them doing live tabletop role playing games. And, um, they put up a Patreon page and they were like, ah, maybe we'll get like a thousand bucks. Like, honestly, we're just going to do this anyway, but it'd be nice to get paid for it. So they mm -hmm. put up a Patreon page. Um, and I think within, it was like within a couple months they were doing like many thousands of dollars per month. And then it got to the place where it was like 
tens of thousands of dollars per month, like tens of thousands of dollars per month. And then they rented a studio and then they rented a bigger studio and then, um, then they quit their jobs <laughs> and then they, um, then they like created new shows. So instead of just having one show, they have now five shows. So it's like a network of shows. Some of them are exclusive to patrons. Some of them are free. They launched a live streaming, um, show. Um, now they're like, they added touring. So now they're touring around doing all this. Then they hired a Broadway set designer to to build them a set and then they added video. So it wasn't just a podcast, but they're filming this whole thing happening live. And then it was like many, many tens of thousands of dollars. I, I, I don't, I actually don't know if it's public, so I don't want to say it, but it was like tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And they're, absolutely crushing from doing like hanging out with their friends playing role-playing games it's just the coolest freaking story in the world and what we see is these creators are able to like turn like take that passion and that thing that they're making and reaching people with and by investing in it and caring about it and caring about their community and setting up this recurring payment system they're able to really take it to the next level yeah and it's so inspiring because it's like i feel like the internet has enabled like this explosion you able to like these super small niches like they're able to connect with people and then you're able to like give them a way to sort of monetize that connection and actually do it in a way that was never possible and i was researching a little into, into patreon and i think you guys have paid something like a billion dollars to creators um so i don't know if you could update us on that number but i just think that's so incredible because that's like a billion dollars like directly into like the starving artists who like need it the most and are going to put the highest ROI into like doing art that I guess they previously would have never been able to do. Maybe they would have had like some boring job they hated because it wasn't possible. So I just think it's so like that when I read that billion number, I was like, wow, I know like how far our money goes and I know like how far these artists hustle with it. I'm like, that has had a huge impact on so many people's lives. Like not even just the creators, but the people that they're creating for yeah, it's we passed a billion dollars last year in uh, total dollars that creators have earned on the platform um, from now over four million patrons who have, you know, wow. uh, who are recurring, you know, who have subscription pledges to those to those creators. Um, and I think, la yeah, last year it was over 500 million of that came from, you know, payments just last year. So creators are continuing to like earn more and more on the platform. In fact, like in a creator's first, uh, 12 months on average, they double their incomes. And in the first, uh, 24 months, they triple their incomes. Like creators are just really wow. good at making stuff that reaches the world and growing their membership and finding new fans. And, um, it's, you know, it, honestly, like it is, we are at a pivotal moment in history, I think, for creative people. I literally think this is the best time ever in the history of all humans to be a creative person. For the first time, you don't have to be cool enough to get into one of three pipelines to the world. You can say something and people are there listening. Um, that is like, I know we're all used to the internet at this point, but sometimes I just like to stop and think about how freaking awesome that is that you, that we literally have those connections in place. I think the final step here in like total creative freedom is just figuring out the economic engine of it, which is Patreon's mission, right? We want to get creators paid. Um, and a lot of the web has been built and is figuring out, you know, distribution. How do we get stuff out there? How do we put art on the web? Patreon is approaching that problem from a different angle. We're looking at, okay, now that there's art on the web, how do we ensure that creative people like participate in the economic upside of that and get paid what they're worth kind of instead of the the, the minimum amount that tech companies can get away with um and um and so yeah that's kind of how we're approaching the problem is like okay all the distribution is there phase two is like let's make sure the monetization is there and then it's just 
I think for creators, it, you know, there's, there's no going back after that. It's full creative freedom, full creative control, um, autonomy. You don't have to sign to a, you know, a, somebody in a suit who's telling you what your art should look like. You can kind of do it yourself. Yeah, it's crazy. And I feel like not enough people sort of appreciate like that opportunity that exists right now. Cause there's a lot of like, if you read the news, like reasons to get down or like not be pumped about the future, but it seems like the way you're saying it, I even have in my notes, like a second Renaissance, like there's so much that was like this period of explosion of art. And I wonder if people will look back at this time in history and be like, wow, like the internet really enabled like the 2.0 version of that. And mainly because of like, I feel like Patreon, Patreon and YouTube are like the two things that at least for me, but I feel like it's such a huge role in that. I, I, I really agree. I, I think people will look back at this time and they'll, they'll, you know, it's a little bit like people look back at the industrial revolution when, you know, suddenly you could, um, you know, manufacture pianos at scale and then tons of people learn how to play piano. Um, and then you get all different kinds of composers and, you know, you get the, you know, um, weird sounding pieces and, and people doing things that no one's ever done before outside of classical tradition, but it's in folk tradition mixed with classical tradition. And, you know, you get this romantic era and, um, that like, that is absolutely what's happening to creative. There are genres popping up that, I mean, who'd have thought we'd like be watching people play games professionally and those people would be making millions of dollars, right? Like what genre is that? And like who predicted that 20 years ago? Um, and, and that's ha- like that's one of thousands of new genres and, and things that are happening right now. Um, it's, it really is an explosion in the number of creators um, and in the types of things that those creators are doing um, and finding communities to rally around. It's, it's unprecedented. And it's like almost the flip side of everyone's like, oh, robots are going to take our jobs, automation. Like, what are humans going to do? How are they going to provide value? And then I see Patreon and I'm like, all these new industries are popping up, like creating value in new ways with better jobs, with more like more fascinating and like in uh, like engaging ways for people to really spend their time and their life. And that that's just like so, so exciting. One big idea I've been thinking more and more about is not only how like people can contribute to uh, creators monthly, but something people ask me all the time is like, oh, can I invest in hyperchange? And so I feel like there's a huge opportunity mm. to like, I don't know, some sort of like investment product or mm. like capital, like loaning capital or somehow like if you give me money up front, I'll pay you um, out a certain amount of my earnings over time and sort of changing this model and letting people sort of get equity in their favorite creators or like even like in something like music i think about this a lot like everyone's like oh i know this artist is going to blow up and at the same and they're like have money to give that artist and they love that artist at the same time that artist on the other side is like i don't have enough money to produce my next album and i feel like that's such a like bridge that's waiting to do like patreon's in an excellent position to sort of connect the dots on that and i'm curious if you you've thought about that as like phase 2.0 of Patreon is sort of like this investing in artists and creators. Yeah, totally. So I, I guess I think about that from, from two different angles. One is this idea of like equity in an artist, which for me, so I've seen a bunch of platforms actually pop up that kind of essentially do that where, where, you know, the artist is, is taking investment and then promising returns back to fans. For me personally, that would stress me out a little bit as a creator if I had to like if I was suddenly like owed my fans like returns on their money um I I I worry about that as a um 
I worry about that as a core system to fund creativity. I, I worry that it focuses creators mm-hmm. on money and returns instead of making art. I think in some mm. cases for creators who are more business minded and are launching a company and thinking about themselves as like, hey, I'm launching a media company. It makes sense. Um, but there's there's a category of, you know, of creators out there. There's a big swath of creators who are like, hey, I want to make art. Like what I do best is making art. And so I need a system that allows me to do that. Um, so that, that's kind of the first thing. And by the way, I don't think it's a bad idea. There's, there are platforms that are doing that and I think it'll work. I think there are people that will, that will do that. But then the other thing you said was interesting was like the idea of investing in creators and their futures. And one way that, uh, you know, we have, I've talked about wanting to do that is as a creator myself in, you know, I, I bought a house, a, a while ago, um, and the bank uh, didn't. They they did not know how to work with me. <laughs> um, I was in escrow for for ninety days. They didn't know what I did, and I would try to explain to them what I did. And and at one point they said, "Well, just get, send us your pay stubs." And I literally said to them, "I was like, what are pay stubs?" And they're like, "You know the things that your employer gives you when they pay you." And I was like, "I don't have an employer." And they're like. Where is your money coming from? And I sent them my iTunes reports, which was like disorganized. Like, here's all the people downloading my music. Is that what you want? And the bank was like, anyway, it was three months of this stuff back and forth. And then that caught me thinking, it was like, you know, creators on Patreon, they have this recurring income. Like, it's very reliable. They're making, you know, more and more every month. And there's a high probability it's just, you know, going to keep growing for them, especially if they continue investing in their creative career. Um, it should be easier for creators to have access to capital if they want a mortgage to buy a house or if they want to, you know, take out a business loan or something like that. Um, and that's not something Patreon is like working on right now. Um, but it's the type of problem that I think needs to be solved for creators in the world. And it's the kind of thing that like for me personally, I would love if Patreon could solve more types of problems like that for creators in the future. Um, it just, no one, again, no one is really serving and building for creators specifically. Um, and, and because of that, creators just have all these problems. They're, they're scaling companies. They're, <laughs> they're running into new brick walls that people don't understand. And, and yeah, they need, they need to be invested in and they need to be believed in. Totally. And on that note, like what's, what's on the sort of near term next for, for Patreon? I know international expansion is something. And like, I've personally been seeing like, oh, if you want to give your subscribers merch, like we're working on a a trial program for that. So how do you think about expanding and sort of like the next couple years of of new products? I mean, those are, those are like two big ones for us. Um, You know, when we've surveyed creators, we know it's almost, I think it's something like, uh, don't quote me on this, somewhere around 85% of creators at some point either said like, I'm already doing merch or I want to do merch or merch is interesting to me. I forgot exactly how it was phrased, but it was a very high portion of creators um, have said like, yes, I want to do merch and it's a pain in the butt, you know, like creators... Oh God, if you know, thousands of fans all over the world and you ship something and it gets blocked at customs and then it gets shipped back to you, but it gets shipped to the wrong address and the patron writes you and says, Hey, where's my thing? And you are, and now suddenly you're a logistics company trying to figure out, you know, return merch authorization flows and customer support. And you're like, what the fuck is my life? Um, and like, we want to solve that for creators. We want to, we want merch to be seamless and easy and painless. And you, you flick a button and, and beautiful things show up on the doorstep of your patrons. Um, so we're working on that and you know we've added um 
some international shipping, which is super exciting. Um, we eventually we want to cover, you know, uh, many, many places, but we're sort of doing it incrementally. Um, and then the other big one is, is international in general. So just a couple days ago, we announced that we, you know, we're starting to process allowing creators to price their memberships in euros and in pounds, which is huge. It's like, it's the number of creators ask for it every Every time I meet creators, they're talking about, you know, wh when is this going to be available to to these other currencies? Um, when I do webcasts, when I meet with creators one on one, patrons want to know if they can pay in their local currency. That's something that we're going to announce later down the road. It's you know something we're working on, but yeah, we're starting to we're starting to make Patreon available internationally and and be easier for folks that are outside of the U.S. You know, outside of English um, to use it really cool and in terms of the company patreon you're actually like a vc back sort of like tech startup in your own right like i think you raised like 150 million dollars plus like this really cool fast-growing company so i'm curious like it seems funny like going from like grassroots creator to like starting this tech company like why did you decide to structure as a company and like how does the, i'm a big proponent of like if you want to move fast and like change the world like raise money build a product like that's how you got to do it so but i'm curious of your thought process of like how you thought about turning this idea into a real company and then like raising VC funding. Yeah. Um, it was, um, one step at a time. And that's something I, you know, I can't stress enough. There was no, <laughs> I would love to say this whole thing has been strategic and a brilliant plan from the beginning, not how it worked. <laughs> like, you know, first version of Patreon, it, it goes out, Holy shit, a thousand creators signed up. Okay, we need somebody to answer all their emails. Okay, we gotta hire somebody. Oh shoot, we can't afford to hire somebody. Okay, let's raise some money. Okay, we raise a little bit of money. Now we hire somebody. Now they're answering emails. Now we need a customer support. Okay, now we need creator partnerships team. And then we raise a little bit more money and then we hire some extra engineers. It was like incremental one step at a time. We just solved the next little problem that was ahead of us. Um, and now here we are seven years later and we've raised a hundred and, I don't know, 160 million, something like that. Um, and Okay, one thing I will tell you that that is deliberate though, and this just comes from, you know, my my co-founder is uh, uh, is Sam is a genius, built all of Patreon by himself, and is a serial entrepreneur, amazing guy. Um, I think Patreon, you know, we we want to build a better system, and and that's we want to we want to change things for creators, and we want to put some pressure on Facebook and YouTube specifically to be more creator first in their roadmaps and to think about monetization and and they're starting to do it actually which is incredible and and you might view it as competitive but i'm also just glad that they're finally solving that freaking problem because it's about time um but i think in order to do that if you want to attract the best engineers and the best product people and the best marketing folks and and actually make a dent um you know, there's a certain element of like, well, we need to move fast. We need to, we need to build something that's meaningful. Um, we need to scale it quickly. Um, and, and then there's also just the element of we were getting, we were growing way faster than we were able to keep up with. Um, so we had to hire so many people just to answer inbound requests from patrons and creators, right? We, we couldn't handle that load by ourselves. Um, and so it was the right thing to do. I mean, the only reason Patreon is able, has, has been able to scale to this point is because we raised money, um, and we were able to kind of hire the team and build the product to serve those folks. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the big question is, you know, that everyone always asks is like, Hey, 
what's the silver bullet? Like, how are you going to stay creator first? And are you going to go down that kind of VC tech spiral that companies go down? And um, my only answer to that is there is no silver bullet. It's about hiring passionate people who care about creators and prioritize creators top to bottom. It's about finding the right VCs who want to make impact, who care about building things for customers, um, and who want to serve those people. It's about building a culture of creator centrism and talking about the importance of serving creators. It's about um, constantly like stepping back and evaluating the choices that you're making and making sure that you're staying true to your values and your mission. Um, there's no silver bullet for that kind of stuff. It's just every day chipping away and making sure that you're doing the right thing and, and being a good, a good citizen and a good, uh, you know, um, uh, liaison for creators and, and the web. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, so I, yeah, I have I have a lot of confidence. If there's if there's one thing I think Patreon has done really really well, it's just getting passionate people top to bottom who just bleed creators, um, and that I think at the end of the day is ultimately what our strategic advantage is: is that we bleed creators, we care about creators more than anyone else in the world, and I think you know that manifests in in the things that we do and the choices that we make and the products that we build and everything that we do. Yeah. And I would actually argue you almost have found the silver bullet because your incentives are perfectly aligned with creators. Like you make more money when I make more money. And I feel like that like you've unlocked just like the product market fit and just how you're helping people. Like it feels like I don't think you I don't feel like YouTube's on my side. I don't feel like Facebook's on my side, but I feel like Patreon like has my back and you really do. And the business model is structured. So you you do have creators back. And I feel like that's such a unique sort of like I, I think it kind of is a silver bullet in a way. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and what, that, what that business model does is not only when you make more money, we make, we make more money. But if you don't make money, we don't make money. So we're like, our ass is on the line to make sure that you are successful. And if, and if you're not, if we don't deliver, we don't get paid either. And that alignment, um, in, in many ways, it, it relieves the pressure that a lot of companies have of, of having to the best way I heard this ever phrased, but was by Chad Dickerson, who used to run Etsy, and he said, you know, we don't because of this certain product or thing that they were doing. He said we don't have to choose between people and profit, and for us, it it really feels like that. It, you know, we don't have to choose between creators and Patreon doing well, right? We're not like we're not we're not asking creators to you know uh, to pay us a monthly recurring fee whether or not they make money, right? We're taking a percentage. Um, of, of a creator's success, which means we're not successful unless creators are successful. So people always ask me, like, if you could invest in one company, because I'm super big into Tesla and Elon Musk, and I'm like, like, what would it be? And I'm always like, I never have a good answer. But then the more and more I was leading up to your, in, like, this interview, I, you can't invest in Patreon because it's private. But right. I wish I was like, Patreon and Jack is like, that's the someone on my list of like, when I think of like two or three companies, that I'm like, wow, this is really... A, building a future I believe in, like empowering creators, and B, like how big of a business can this be? Like maybe your valuation's around a billion, a little less today, but like it's literally creating a new market of like helping like the finger puppet people monetize, like all these micro new markets. But I'm like, wow, this is something that I could see getting so, so big. And like very rarely do I think these companies have like, you know, so much potential as like this sort of pipeline to get creators to their fans and then by being that pipeline like it's such a valuable piece of infrastructure for the new creative economy so i'm curious like do you how big is your vision for patreon and like how how far do you think this can go 
Yeah. I mean, I the, the thing that's important for me is I want Patreon to be a long-term independent company um, that can prioritize our mission. Um, I want it to be a, a company that looks at the world through the lens of a creator and hunts for problems and then solves those problems on behalf of creators. Um, and I th- so if you look at just what's happening with creators right now, um, there's more and more creators every day. If you interview, um, you know, interview, if you talk to kindergartners or interview, if you interview (laughs) kindergartners, uh, I think it's something like a third of kindergartners say that they want to be a a creator or something like that. Um, depending on which country you're in, um, maybe it's even more than that. Folks are growing up, um, knowing that being a full-time artist is possible, which it wasn't a decade ago. But now it is literally like the difference between 2020 and 2010 is like, it's not a question anymore whether you can be a full-time artist. People know you can be. Um, that is game changing. And and that just means there's going to be more and more creators every year that are super excited about this idea. So the, the you know, the market is growing massively. Um, I think there's this wonderful study, God, it's called uh, Recreate Coalition. They, have you seen this study? They, um, they do it every year. It's, it's kind of like a market sizing for creative people who earn money online. And I think in 2017, the number that they released was something like $7 billion. Um, creators earned $7 billion just in the United States alone. Um, and that's like across you know a, a bunch of different types of genres and, and and platforms, but that's not even including like consumer pay. I think it was mostly just like platform fees and stuff like that. Um, and it was 17 million creators. Um, so that number is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and, you know, we estimate when we do market sizings, you know, we estimate three quarters of creators are outside of the United States. So that's only like 25% of the number of creators in the world. Um, and again, that number is just continuing to grow. So yeah, I mean, there's there's so many people that are starting to do this. And I'm, I'm curious what you think. I like a little rant about this, about the impact of having more creatives in society, because I think of like the U.S., like we're this country, like we seem to be doing so well on like GDP and all these economic stats or maybe not so much anymore. But like I go to like Los Angeles and I'm like, what like there's just roads everywhere and like concrete. And like you look at some of these buildings and like sub- suburbia and malls and I'm just like like every building's the same, like there's no creativity, like there's just a huge lack of like art. And I'm like, we need so many more creative people like doing so much more, like just kind of like reviving our cities and making them look like more beautiful. Like you go to like countries that were built like 500 years ago and I'm like, wow, that they actually like cared about it and it looks beautiful. And like, I feel like that's just missing from sort of society now. So that's one thing I'm like, wow, Patreon can enable more of these people to have full-time jobs and be doing that. like. But I'm curious what you think the the real impact of having more of these artists and creative people like able to do their thing is going to be. It's so funny. Nicole and I were literally talking about that very (laughs) thing yesterday. We were looking at um, what was the arch that we were looking at? Do you remember what it was called? George Washington's inaugural arch. George Washington's inaugural arch in Washington Square Park. And yeah, we're just looking at we're like, well, that's something that was built hundreds of years ago that isn't. The kind, you know, the kind of thing that gets built today. Um, and like, if you look at, 
Yeah, if you look at these old buildings, if you look, you know, go to Florence and you look at the kinds of things people used to build, um, you know, that was a that was a culture that valued creativity. You know, that was a culture where, uh, you know, you'd commission a creator and they'd, you know, spend years doing ceiling paintings and like, um, and yes, yeah, something that's something changed. Um, and uh, and I think I, I it feels to me like it's swinging back. Um, I, the, the thing that I think there's a, there's a few things that have kind of heard it and, and repressed it um, somewhere in the last 10 years, 15 years um, we started to, to refer to um, art and information as the same thing. All like is information free or should information not be free? And we said, yes, information should be free. And that includes music and videos and podcasts and like all this awesome art that people are making. <laughs> we called it information. And we said information should be free, which is like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I mean, actually I think it's wonderful that it's accessible, but it doesn't mean that artists are free. Artists cost money. They have PG&E bills and they have to hire employees and have to take vacations like everyone else and do their thing and they need to be paid for their work. Um, and then I think the other thing, you know, it's, it's sort of that kind of attitude. The other thing that I think is perfectly, perfectly captures that attitude is even calling art content like that kills me, the fact that we call it content and that even now artists are calling their work content. It kind of makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth. Like we, we and, and I do it too. I call my own art content as if it's like filling a void. If it's like stuffing packing peanuts into like a box, um, it just feels, it feels like we don't respect what we're making anymore. And I think having more creative people in the world who are making a killing and, and making a living and filling the art with wonderful things that we love, um, I, I think it's going to change how much we respect art and how much we value it as a global culture. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like as a society, we're putting everything into like numerical boxes these days. Like there's been an overflow of information. It's like, how many views did this get? How many followers did it get? How much money did it sell for? And like, these are the scores by which we're scoring everything. But it's like, like, I love that painting over there that like my friend did. And he's like, not even an art, like he, he's not an artist. He's just, but he did that. And I'm like, it brings me so much joy and so much happiness. And it's like, it feels like art is like this weird uncharted territory that you can't ascribe quantitative value to. And that for some reason, like... The, the, like people can't like reconcile that but it seems like patreon is finally like giving like all like that overdue cred to that side of the world so i think what it comes down to is the system that has been designed and deployed globally to convert art into dollars and that system requires eyeballs it requires massive scale it requires watch time it requires session time it requires plays views listens and it requires them in, in the realm of the millions and millions or hundreds of millions. Um, and in the world that is, you know, in the world where, you know, a, um, in the world where a creator's paycheck is basically dependent on the scale that they reach, the number of things versus the quality of things that they make, we've just set up this system where you're trying to get watch time. You're trying to get you're trying to get view counts. Um, we And creators are smart, right? They're smart, capable entrepreneurs. They're gaming the system. They're figuring out how to get more watch time. That changes the art itself, right? Like art is evolving globally. Art is evolving to kind of figure out how to generate value given the system that it's confined in. It's like, it's like Darwinism happening 
right in front of our own eyes, um, but applied to art instead of applied to biology. And, uh, and what we see is art is in fact becoming content, right? It's like the purpose of this thing is to drive watch time. I know if I upload a video that gets, you know, that's 12 minutes instead of 10 minutes, I'll be able to put that mid-roll ad at 10 minutes and I'll be able to, you gotta, and so it's like, now I got to figure out how do I do a 12 minute video? Like what the fuck is going on? It's crazy. Yeah. But that's, that's what's happening. Like we're, we're changing our work so that it's becoming content and it's serving a function. And yeah, I think a system where that's advertising driven, that is, you know, where, where you can literally do an equation and convert watch time into dollars in that system, you're not valuing beauty, you're valuing quantity. And in a consumer payment system where somebody literally, you know, they have to take out their wallet and they have to decide to pay for something. That decision is based on value. It's not based on quantity. And so I, I believe that, you know, consumer payments, I'm a little biased because I have a consumer payments company, <laughs> but, but I do believe that consumer payments will change the type of stuff that we make and the type of stuff that gets popular on the web. I think it'll, it'll be a system driven by value and beauty as opposed to quantity and watch time. So when you look back on all the progress that Patreon's made and like the huge impact it's made, like what are you most proud of? or like maybe most excited about what's going to come? Yeah. Um, I'm most proud of the creator-centric culture um, that we've built. I think that's the secret sauce. I think it's the, it's the empathy, it's the focus, it's the priority of creators as opposed to anyone else. And the, the you know, the, 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 um, there's not that many stakeholders in the Patreon ecosystem, right? There's employees, there's shareholders and investors, there's creators, there's patrons, but there's not, you know, this type of advertiser and that brand and this, you know, we haven't, we haven't clouded the ecosystem yet. So we get to be really focused and, um, and that feels really good. I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of the fact that the team is just constantly thinking about creators. Um, and then in terms of what's coming, um, I'm excited to meet creators where they are. I'm excited to um, to uh, let patrons pay in other currencies. I'm excited to ship merch around the world. I'm excited <laughs> to um, I'm excited to help creators be global because they are global, and um, and they're just yeah they're they're blocked right now and doing that. And I'm I'm really excited to help them get unblocked. Yeah, I can't wait to see Patreon become a huge company, helping people, like, promoting art. It's going to be awesome. And I wanted to, like, kind of end it. I know Kevin has some questions to ask you, but um, just to say, like, thank you because you really changed our business and, like, all our subscribers. Like, I feel like I could, like, I was I was managing money and that was my job and I felt like all my ideas were, like, bottled in and I wasn't sharing them. And it was, like, it was just killing me. And I was, like, I'm going to go on the internet and just see what happens. And, like, because of Patreon, it turned into a job, like, I feel like hyperchange is sort of like making an impact in its own little way and it's because of you and I think Patreon's doing that like all these like it's like the butterfly effect causing more butterfly effects and it has like such a huge change even in our own tiny way so like thank you seriously wow heck yeah thank you and Kevin you want to yeah you should jump in he has a couple questions about music because he has a band and like jump in let's do it let's jump in let's talk music let's talk music all right I love it this is great. Awesome. Um, yeah, man, what you guys were talking about before, I was like, you guys were talking about AI. I think creativity is like something that AI can't replicate no matter how much, you know? Um, wow, now I'm frazzled. Now I'm, on the <laughs> now I'm on the camera. I forgot all the things that I wanted to say. <laughs> I know, bro. I oh my goodness, now I'm nervous. Uh, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I remember watching your videos um, when I was in college and just being like amazed and inspired by what you were doing. Um, I think the Pharrell happy video oh, was cool. like one of my favorite ones. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like the projections and everything. Um, I don't know. I don't really have too many questions. I just like, I just want to hear like your process. Um, I know you guys are still putting out videos like every week. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of go about making your arrangements and how long does that take? What's the process that you guys go through? Totally. So it's really different than, um, than it was even five years ago for that Pharrell video. When we did that, you know, it was just me and Natalie and we did everything. Yeah. We did the arrangements and we did the mashups and we, you know, we recorded every single instrument. We mixed them all together and we did the mastering and, you know, I'm, I'm doing the compression and the dynamics processing on the, you know, the kick drum track and, you know, every little detail, yeah. you know, projection mapping, we built all the sets out of foam core and, you know, built all the projections to be, you know, thrown up onto those sets. Um, so it was, you know, it was, we were, it was a very linear process. We mm -hmm. did, we started at the beginning and then we worked until we had a finished product and then we published that. And then that was, that was how we made it. Um, now it's very different because I have a day job. And so, um, what the, our, the process that we have now is, um, we have, uh, we hire these wonderful contractors, incredible people, um, very creative, um, uh, video shooters, mm -hmm editors, audio engineers, um, audio producers. And Natalie and I fly down to LA once a month um, for a day. And we go to the studio, we record four songs in one day. We arrange them live all together. Mm -hmm. Natalie does a bunch of pre-production. She comes in with a bunch of ideas. Let's do this, here's the baseline, let's do that. But then as a band, we come together and we kind of make it all work. And each song gets about 90 minutes. Then these amazing musicians and artists and contractors take all those files and they make a bunch of amazing stuff and they send it back to me and Natalie and we give some notes and we say, okay, let's do this and not that. And we like this and let's go in this way instead of that way. And then they are creative and wonderful and make something. And then we publish it, you know, eventually we publish it on, on YouTube once a week. Um, and so now, so there's probably 15 people that are Pomplamoose now wow. that are like working on Pomplamoose. And it's a different part of my brain, right? Yeah. Like instead of doing all of the little things, it's like working with people and nudging and giving notes. And, um, and I really like that. I really like that part of it. Um, and it's a very different process. So it's, sure. but, but we kind of had to throw out our old process in order to be, in order to continue to be creative because I just don't, I don't have the luxury anymore of being able to spend four weeks on one video. Definitely. How, how does that feel being um, like having at one point like so much control over almost every aspect of your entire production and now having to kind of translate that into, you know, giving it, giving away control to other people. And, and um, yeah, I, 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 as a creator myself, like in the band, like it's, it's difficult sometimes. I feel like it's a really ch big challenge to um, both do everything on your own, but also to trust other people enough to say, Hey, like, you know, I'm going to let you do your thing and you send it back to me and I'm not going to, you know, be too picky about everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like that's that's tricky sometimes. It's the hardest freaking thing in the world. I think tricky sometimes is like the biggest understatement. It is it is it is excruciating sometimes yeah. because you're like, oh, if I just let me just hop into Ableton for a second and I'll just you know, and I kind of I have to consistently refuse that kind of itch. Um, I'm actually I'm I'm making a 
a, a little mini doc about this very concept right now because there are some creators I've seen who have really been able to like let go and it's been so inspirational for mm. me to watch them build that trust with their teams yeah. and to like delegate and to believe in their people and to like think of their role as like, well, look, I'm going to make a sandbox, but I'm going to let you be creative inside that sandbox. And I want your voice to be a part of this too. Yeah, and it's definitely, you're right. It's less, you have less control. Like you have, you don't, you can't sculpt with the fidelity that you used to be able to sculpt, or at least for me, I can't. Definitely. But the interesting, the interesting thing about it is a little bit like a dream. Like you're, you, you know, things pop up that are unexpected and like your world gets like auto populated with like things that you didn't think you were going to be able to do or like I would have never written that synth part Definitely. or like those drums are mixed in a completely different way than I would have mixed drums and if you can find if you can find it in yourself to be delighted and surprised with someone else's creativity and be proud of their creativity yeah. and be proud of the fact that you built a sandbox to allow another person to be creative. Yeah, like definitely. there's a lot of joy in that. And that's the kind of joy that I'm, I'm finding in, in this new process. Um, and fuck, I also miss all the shit back Dude, there. I, yeah, I miss, I miss EQing the snare drum and I miss, I miss the samples and, you know, I, I want to do that stuff too still. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's just a never ending struggle, honestly. Definitely. It's just, it's, and you're always resetting the balance and learning. But in a way that also kind of plays into what we were talking, you, you and Galley were talking about like, um, not to call it content, but, you know, to service this, you know, market of people who are trying to consume the videos and the music that you're making. Um, one of the things that I thought of when you guys were talking about that was that I think, you know, songs are changing. Song lengths in particular are changing right now. Streaming, um, you know, per stream you're getting paid. So people are now cutting their songs real short, two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever, uh, just to like ramp up the amount of plays you can get. And it's like, that's changing. Like, you know, you're, you're making music just literally to, to get more streams so that you can make more money. And that's kind of crazy to me sometimes to think about. Um, I love that. Uh, my band's called Pool Cosby, and uh, we're like a, a, a sample based, like a electronic, uh, but I studied violin, like classical violin growing up. And so now the band is very much like, you know, some R&B, some classical stuff. We have a record coming out. We recorded like a string section and wind ensemble, but over like, you know, hip hop production and Whoa, stuff like that. Awesome. Um, and, you know, we, one of our goals is also just to work with as many people as possible, uh, as many people from different genres as possible. So um, we did a song with Raekwon from Wu-Tang Clan, but we also uh, like we work with folk singers and stuff like that. So the, the range and the scope of the music is is wide ranging and, and uh, people are always like, oh, what, you know, what kind of music do you make? It's like, it's kind of hard to put the finger on it, but and I, how, how yeah. does the band find, how are you finding fans? Is Spotify the... Um, yeah, so Spotify's been huge. Um, just like getting on, play, trying to get on playlists and stuff like that. I really appreciate that their um, Spotify for Artists app like really shows you like where your audience is. I and, love and, that and app. who's, you know, listening and the age range and, and, you know, the playlists that you're on. I think it's, it's so cool just to like see that data come in every day. Um, it's really changed how we view... You know what we're doing and, and what's you know hitting and what's not um, so that's been really cool and also like in thinking about releasing this coming album uh, it's been like a discussion about like you know do people consume full albums now like do people sit down and say hey I'm gonna play track one and listen all the way through like 12 tracks 45 minutes worth of music or is it like you know people put on singles now and again it's like you want to get on playlists you want to get press and stuff like that so what are the chances of playing the algorithms better um 
you know, people, some, some people have been saying, you know, upload more singles and that's, you know, it'll boost your chances of more streams and more stuff. So even just like the distribution is, uh, the, the distribution channels are changing, I think as yeah, well. And, and you're absolutely right. It has a huge effect on the types of things that come out and, um, the length of songs and, you know, putting out singles versus putting out, uh, albums. I mean, all of that is kind of of course changing as the as the landscape changes and do you guys put your music out on you make the videos but you also put the songs out on, on streaming and everywhere yeah everywhere yeah so that's awesome so jack what would you say to kevin because he's got they've got thousands of fans they're growing they do awesome shows but they're not on patreon yet so when you meet an artist that's like doing that like what do you like how do you or how do you even think about it? it's like oh if you don't need it you don't need it or you know what what do you how do you think about creator like that sort of process? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I guess first thing is I, I, I typically don't like going into a sales pitch, <laughs> but, but well, for us, part of it is like, I think Patreon is great and, and we want to try and figure out a way. A big issue I think is like providing that consistent, um, again, content, I guess, um, just being able to reach our fans like on a regular basis. Sometimes we'll just like, huddle up in a room and just like make music for months on end and like don't really uh aren't, aren't really active online and, and posting videos but i mean i think we're, we're definitely trying to find a way where we can post more consistent videos or music or offer like behind the scenes stuff like that i think that's a big thing like you know i can do string like i do string arrangements and stuff like that so yeah like that's something we can offer and so we're definitely thinking about it, but not to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, 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 no it's totally fine. Guys, <laughs> yeah, like you're not on Patreon. What's well, good? Like <laughs> right in front of him. Like drop the mic. Not on Patreon. Like, oh, this interview gonna, is over. How dare right. you're not on Patreon? I'm out. So offended. But but no, because I was thinking like that's a problem. Because I'm like people probably want to support you, but then they're like we don't know what to give them. Like I yeah. feel like that's a big mm -hmm. sort of like pain point that comes up a lot. Yeah, e even even before that, I mean, for me, here's what it comes down to. I um I think it's really important for creators to deeply ask themselves, what do I want? Um, what do I want as a creator? And to not just kind of come up with a vague answer, but to be really deliberate and focused about what you want in your creative career. Um, and, um, you know, Pomplamoose does this every year. Um, we, we ask, what do we want? And then we end up writing probably one to three pages in very specific detail about, look, here's what we want. Here's what we want over the next year. Here's where we think it can go over the next three, right? That is constantly zigging and zagging mm -hmm. and, and changing a little bit. Um, but we articulate what matters to us and what drives us and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a statement that you could start with, for instance, that I heard recently that I just loved this, this group called Rhett and Link that I've been studying a lot recently because I just think they're the biggest badasses in the world. Um, I asked them this question. I was like, what do you guys want? And they both answered immediately, and it was the same thing. They said, we want creative freedom, and we want financial freedom. Mm. And I thought that was such a great starting point for creators because it kind of encapsulates everything that I want, too. Like, I want to be able to make the music that I want to make mm -hmm. that's in my heart. I want to get paid for it. I want to have impact on the world. I want to reach fans, and I want to move them with my work. Um, and I want to be able to say the things that I want to say and not say the things that I don't want to say. Yeah. Um, so, and then we kind of, you know, Pomplamoose will, will start at a place like that and then flush it out in terms of like, okay, so what are the activities that we're going to take this year to kind of get there? And, you know, for us, 
you know, the, the reason that we do Patreon as a band is is financial freedom and creative control. Mm-hmm. You know, it allows us to essentially um, not have to sign a, a record deal, so we don't have people telling us what our music should sound like, sure. and um, and we literally like we paid out over $150,000 last year to all these contractors that we work with, which comes from our Patreon, right? That's money from our membership. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that we could do without membership. Like ad revenue isn't even close to that. So, um, so, but, but again, that, that only makes sense because it's something that Pomplamoose wants. I think before like, Hey, should I start a Patreon? Before you ask that question, the question is, what do I want? And then what am I going to do to get there? Has that gotten easier or I don't know if easier is the right word, but um, like versus when you started, you know, your does your concept of what you want develop there? Has it been easier to kind of, you know, write that down and be very clear about that as you've progressed in your career? Or because sometimes I feel like I, uh, it's hard. It's hard to know what you want or what direction you want to go in. I know. Um, you don't really know sometimes. And I don't know, is it, do you feel like it's changed a lot since, or the same? I don't know. Yes. It's constantly changing. I think there are some things that don't change. Um, and we've been very clear about like what those things are. So like one thing that's really important to me, and again, this isn't, I'm one type of creator. I don't, I hope this doesn't sound prescriptive, but you know, for me, like I want my work to have impact on the world. Um, some creators are like, look, I make art for myself. I don't care if people hear it. I think that is so awesome. And Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for that. Also, I'm not one of those people. I kind of wish I was one of those people, (laughs) but like, I want people to listen to my music and maybe I feel a little silly saying that or, uh, but, but I do, I, I I want, I want other people to hear my work and be affected by it. I want to help them in their lives. I want to give them joy. I want to make them smile. I want to help them get through a tough relationship. I want to, I want to have impact. Um, and I'm honest with myself about that, right? Like if you don't, care about having impact, um, that leads you down a very different route in terms of how you spend your days and what you do. If you want to have impact, if that part is important to you and you're honest with yourself about that, that leads to a very different set of activities and route and types of, you know, strategy for online and distribution. You should probably launch some social media stuff. And, um, so like that's something for me that hasn't changed. Like I know that I'm the type of artist and for whatever reason, maybe it's my upbringing or my DNA or whatever, I want to have, I want my work to have impact. And so I, I structure my, my like annual strategy to kind of make sure that my work is having impact and make sure that I'm reaching people. And that leads me to do a whole bunch of other things, Patreon and social media. And, you know, let's, let's get closer to our fans and, you know, let's build out this second content stream. That's going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And, um, so, so yeah, some, but, but then I guess one level down from that, the how, is changing like every year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, through interviewing like all these other people that we've met through HyperChange, it's like I think one of the core things uh, that makes something really successful or really impactful is like you know you care so much about the people who are both in the team that you work for, but also people that you're servicing. And I think you know Patreon is so key. Like I, I love that it's creators at the helm. Like you, un- you get what it's like to be a creator on the other side. You know the challenges and the difficulties and um, you know, it's great to have someone like you looking out for us. <laughs> uh, can I ask one final question? Yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like you're like a martyr for creators in some way? Like I look at you kind of <laughs> as one because you've had to like, you can't do as much creating because you're helping us all create. So do you ever like be like, man, like I know like I'm not giving my music my like all because I'm like helping everyone else do their thing. Like, do you ever think about that or like? 
I um, I don't. Yeah, I I feel awkward even answering that question. I don't know how I can answer that question without sounding super self-important. Um, I I I I maybe I wouldn't use the word martyr. I definitely feel like um, I I I would be lying if I didn't say I I feel like I've made some sacrifices, um, and. Yeah, it's it. It's woof, that's a little. There's like I'm in emo territory there, um, but but I, you know, building a company is fucking hard. It is so hard, and there's so many emotions and people and problems and and pressure and you know, creators want this set of features and that set of creators want this set of features and which do we build and somebody's going to be unhappy always and. And yeah, it's hard. And so I definitely, yeah, I definitely, it's it's required 200% of my focus and creativity and enthusiasm and energy. And um, and yeah, in order to do that, you know, I, 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 I've completely dropped my solo career. You know, I haven't put out a, a video on my YouTube channel in uh, six years, you know? I mean, I, I've found a way to do... Um, Pomplamoose and and Scary Pockets and that feels great um, and you know those bands are putting out a lot of videos and publishing frequently and that feels good um, but yeah there, I guess maybe the way I'd answer your questions I'd say it we need a there there needs to be a creator <laughs> running one of these companies you know I do think that's really yeah, important definitely. I think a creator's got to run one of these fucking companies. <laughs> Um, because otherwise the shit that's been happening to us for the last 10 years is just going to keep happening to us. And I don't want that to happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I, that's, I I think my attitude is like, okay, so what if I don't get to put out a solo video? (laughs) You know, it's like, um, I really do think it's good for a creator to be, um, you know, running one of these things. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. That's it. I'm taking Galley's position today. Uh, so, until next time, peace. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Jack, thank you so much. Thanks for the pleasure to meet you. Yeah, you too. So, such a pleasure. I ain't got answers yet, but my answer's always I'm working now. Mm-hmm. Keep gaining angels, missing love, I never want to be without. Oh. I ain't want to leave you alone, didn't quite know what to say. Guess I'm what it means to be grown, learning everything that's here don't stay. But I'ma keep holding on, nothing in the world can stop me now. And I'ma keep going strong, every bad night ends somehow. I'ma keep holding on, nothing in the world can stop me now. I'ma keep going strong Every bad night going in some high